Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Tonga rugby coach Mana Otai reflects on the June window. Former Fiji cricket captain Joe Ricker announces his comeback. And Pacific AFL icon Andrew Cadzo reflects on nearly three decades in the game. But first, it's all or nothing. Fiji and the Cook Islands go head-to-head in Lautoka this weekend for a place at next year's Rugby World Cup. The winner will qualify for Pool A and group matches against England, Australia, Wales and a playoff winner. In a minute, we'll talk to the Fiji coach, John McKee, but first, the challenges. The Cook Islands have lost both of their warm-up games in New Zealand against Teams Valley and the Blues development team, but Captain Stan Wright, who plays for the French second division club Narbonne, believes that with another full week of training together, the team is a genuine chance. I think if we turn up with the right frame of mind and you know, polish up on what on the work we need to do, I think um, you know, we'll push them pretty close or... Hopefully, come outside. You know, come out on the right side of the scoreline. A lot of the squad were a part of the Oceania Cup winning team from last year, but a, a lot of new faces as well. And I know you've had a very short time in camp. I mean, just talk me through, obviously, the the culture and the team and what it's been like. Sort of everyone coming together in, in this uh, condensed period for this game. I was quite surprised how quick the boys came together. A lot of guys from all, all you know, all over all over the world, all over New Zealand, Aussie, and it took us about two days and. Seem like they've been together for a long time. Um, obviously, a lot of the boys are experiencing Cook Island culture for the first time, so it was eye opener for them. Um, the boys that are from here, or a few guys, went really um, up to scratch with their Cook Island culture or where they came from. Now, you know, we've had a few feeds with the Cook Island community in Auckland. I think it was good that they really got to see how much it meant to the people that we went there and just played our best, really, whether we win or lose. You know, us boys here in camp, uh, we know we can beat this team without putting it out on the paddock. How, how prepared do you feel? Um, after the two matches, and uh, well, we have the, this week of training, I think we'll be pretty prepared. Um, from the first match, you know, we went camp for two days and we played one match. Um, not everyone played. Uh, then we played another match uh, a day and a half later or something. From the first match to the second match, we improved like quite uh, dramatically. Even I think since then we've improved like 200%, 300%. So every day, every day we we're out on the training pitch. Um, boys are getting better and better. The test match falls outside of the June international window, but IRB regulations state that players must be released by their clubs for World Cup qualifying matches. Fiji coach John McKee says the likes of Crusaders Super Rugby star Namani Nandolo will be involved in what is a massive week for the team. For what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve, and where we're heading, you know, the, you know, the World Cup qualification is, is essential. But for me, well, you know, we've, we've, we're also also developing our, developing our team and developing our game. So we've, we've got to take forward things from previous two weeks and or well, three weeks if you include the Italy game. But, but certainly we've got to learn some lessons from the 
most recent game against Samoa and, and improve our game for next week. In terms of the relative position of both teams, I mean, I'm always wary that in these type of situations, people can take take the opposition lightly. Um, we certainly won't be doing that, and I'll be emphasising that with the players. That you know, it's it's like a cup game; it's winner takes all, and and it's how how you perform on the day. It's not you don't get any extra points for where you are in the world rankings or how many caps you've got in your team or whatever. It's it's about the performance next Saturday. The Cook Islands have played a couple of uh, low-key warm-up games uh, here in New Zealand. Um, I, I don't know if there was any video footage of that. Obviously, they qualified for the match by winning the Oceania Cup last year. Have you, have you had a chance to see any of them in action? Look, I haven't, I haven't seen much video at all, and, and maybe we can get something out of out of New Zealand from the, one of their um, warm-up games. We've had a bit of a verbal, well, not a verbal, but a, a, a quick sort of email report from, from one of the coaching staff at Auckland, gave us a bit of a rundown on that game, so, so it gives us a little bit of background on them. And uh, what's the situation with uh, personnel? Because uh, at one point I, I was under the impression that uh, some of your super rugby stars and those sorts of... Uh, Guys would not be available, but the IRB made it clear that uh, it is a, even though it's outside the June window, that you know World Cup qualifying matches are entitled to have players released for those. So, will you have all of them? Will you have some of them? There was some confusion earlier on with the with the June test window, which is a compulsory release period, and and the Rugby World Cup qualifiers fell outside that. But yes, it's all been clarified that, that as we knew along that the. Rugby World Cup qualification matches are designated release events, so, so all, all, all our squad will be available for this week. Okay, so those your, your Super Rugby guys will, will stay for that one? Yes, yes. Have you got any injury concerns out of Samoa out of the last few weeks uh, heading into that game? Actually, we've, we've, we've done pretty well for, you know, especially the last two weeks, two very physical games in terms of injuries that no, everyone's come through unscathed. There's a few... Saw bodies today, but but nothing nothing that's going to keep people out of the game next week. And uh, three weeks into it now for yourself in terms of matches uh, as head coach of the Flying Fijians, John, have you seen progress from that Italy game at the start to where you are now? Oh, look, I, th- I think yes. Yeah, I think in the areas of our game are developing. I think probably, if anything, we we probably took a little bit of a setback yesterday. But but the important thing for me is that, that the players understand where we're heading and and you know and we can you know learn learn from our performances and for improvement going forward not just not just this sad day but on into our November test see flying Fijians coach John McKee one team already at the World Cup is Tonga who rounded out their June period with a 36-14 victory over a Pacific Barbarians selection in Auckland the match was organized by Tonga's rugby union after they were left without a test in the final weekend of the IRB window Head coach Mana Otai was happy enough with their final performance, but says the team still has plenty of work to do. Well, we just look at you know what the game was set up for, and I think it serves the purpose that we needed an, another extra game. Um, I think the intensity, you know, I mean, I don't read too much into the score and in the win. Uh, we just needed to, to have another head out. Two weeks and, and trying to put things together is never enough, so it was nice to sort of have another extra week to to train and learn from Samoa and Fiji and then sort of try and, and uh, finish on a good note, I guess. And I think that served that purpose for us. And uh, looking back on June, obviously uh, you started with that draw against uh, Manu Samoa and then uh, heavy defeat against uh, Fiji and coming to this game against the Barbarians. How do you reflect on the window as a whole? Overall, I guess it was uh, disappointing in terms of our results because I, I thought after we drew with Samoa, which is 
which was a game we let go. I mean, we could have won the game. There was opportunities there for, for us to close out the game, but we didn't. So, and, and to lose the way we did to Fiji, we just never seems to be in the game, was disappointing. And, and I guess we we learned a lot out of that and, and we did a lot of reflection on, on uh, what happened. And, and I guess uh, it will become a, an actual mistake or a failure if we don't learn from it going forward. And I, I think that probably the, the best thing that came out of the whole June window is that, you know, next year or from here on in, you know, you can't afford to come away with a, a game that you should have won and, and to have a one one week uh, perform, you know, re- reasonably well and then just uh, a total different team on the following week. You can't have that in test level. So that's probably the main learning for us. You had your squad that competed across those three games and... Uh I think we talked uh, before the window about uh, the two or three new caps that you'd included in that team. Uh, and then, of course, uh, at the Pacific Barbarians match, there was a, a few familiar faces uh, to Tongan rugby fans, of course, uh, in the Barbars team as well. So you got to watch your players in action. And I suppose there are a few other guys that are also still uh, very much uh, you know, a part of your thoughts uh, looking ahead to that Rugby World Cup that you also got to have a look at as well. Oh, absolutely. I think yesterday was... Uh sort of highlight the fact that uh, although I've, I've picked these group of players, there's still many of them around, and I guess read it whichever way, but I think the score was still very competitive. We, it not, it's not a game that we control right throughout the whole game, so it shows that there's still a lot of Tongan kids around, and, and you know, the young Daniel Tupo was also playing on the wing somewhere, so, you know, I mean, it, that was a silver lining for me, knowing that there's still a lot of players and the depth is still there, and then I guess we just got to work on a process where I guess we, we need to set a sort of standard where these kids are aspired to play for Tonga as their first choice. And, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. So, yeah, that's a challenge for us in that regard. So so the likes of Tanela Moa and, and those guys, they're still very much in, in, in the reckoning for you? None of the players that were meant to be playing was actually playing yesterday. Tanela Moa didn't play, um, Kurt Morak didn't play. So these, uh, you know, the kids that were played yesterday, I think I only knew two names. Well, other than Justin Marshall. Um, <laughs> He's a very old so, name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, again, that's what I mean. I mean, they were competitive against us and there were, there were no big names in, in the team. So, and, and so but, um, you know, talking about Daniela and Kurt, of course, you know, as I've always said to players, it's always based on performance and your, um, you know, form at the time of selection. So most definitely. I see Tonga rugby coach Mana Atai. Former Fiji cricket captain Joe Ricker has announced he's coming out of retirement. The 26-year-old pulled stumps on his nine-year career in the top flight last April after Fiji failed to earn promotion from World Cricket League 7. Since then, he's been working as Cricket Fiji's high-performance manager as well as coaching at national age group teams. But Ricker says he decided that he still has some unfinished business to attend to as a player. We've got a young group uh, that we've started up. We've got a new coach, a whole new system in place. Um, And I've been asked... um, and I think it's my role and something I owe Cricket Fiji after the many years that you know, they've put up with me and the many opportunities they've given me. Uh, I think I owe Cricket Fiji this bit to at least stay the squad for the next year and see how I can help uh, develop these young boys. And hopefully when I do leave, when I do eventually leave Cricket Fiji, I leave them in a better state. Because uh, obviously you played about nine years already for the national team, but I mean, you're only, what, 26? Yeah, I've, I've reached a stage, stage where I've realised that, you know, I played nine years. I've got a lot of experience. I got a young, uh, young crop here with me, and I, I can work with and help develop as well. 
I still have a bit more to offer and hopefully when I do leave Cricket Fiji, it's back in uh, Division 6 or even higher. As you mentioned, there are a new coach coming on board, uh, Shane Jurgensen. Was that an influence in uh, you changing your mind and, and wanting to come back? A pretty major part. Uh, working under Shane over the last uh, month has been uh, has been good. Uh, he shows a lot of passion for his coaching and a lot of passion as well in wanting to help develop uh, cricket in Fiji. So I think we make a good side, a good team, and you know, it's over the last month we've managed to put in a lot of things in place to make sure that um, the national side is prepared and, and that cricket in Fiji in high performance uh, wise is uh, is developing. And uh, you've uh, managed to add yourself a uh, a player sponsorship there. Does, are you still going to be working for Cricket Fiji as well? Will you still have time for for coaching roles that you've been doing previously and, and all the other work, or will you have more time to focus on playing now? We've made a lot of changes, like I said earlier. Uh, we've got a lot of people in, uh, good people involved. Obviously, Shane coming on board makes things a lot more easier for me. It takes a, lot, a whole lot off my shoulders. We've now got a good pool of coaches that are now going to be involved with um, the junior and, and the age sides, uh, which is what I was uh, mostly involved in, involved in in terms of coaching. So that's taken a lot off me. Um, Shane's now taking all responsibility for the preparations of the national side. And it leaves me just generally just focusing on playing now. And uh, I think that's, it's, I'm sure it's going to help me a lot. I haven't had this pressure off me for the last three years. So it's good to just, just focus on training and focusing on uh, playing uh, better cricket for Fiji. All right. And we talked about the funny sort of situation where obviously you played and said you were going to retire after World Cricket League 7 last year in Botswana. But, you know, obviously as it's panned out, Fiji haven't played since then. So uh, in a weird kind of way, you, you, you never left. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Well, the actual decision for me to come back was actually made um, two days ago. We had gone through the whole process of getting a new squad in place, um, setting our plans in terms of preparation. And um, it took a while for me to sit down with the coaches and, and with the Cricket Fiji staff as well. And you know, with the plans they had and, and me involved in it, I think my role um, in the side as much as the player is also to lead um, and lead well. We've got a young crop. Really good players, players based in, uh, overseas in the squad, as well as those that are the best local-based players. The good cricketers, but very inexperienced in terms of playing international cricket. So it's my job. I'm only four, one of four players that are left uh, from last year's tournament. So my role, listening to Cricket Fiji and what they, are, what they want from me, is a role I think I'm, I owe to them and a role I sh- I'm sure I can uh, play out really well. And um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, know we haven't, I haven't been playing... A lot of cricket over the last year uh, for kind of step back from it, but I still got five months to go, and uh, you know it's five months working hard and getting ready for our next uh, outing. As the returning Fiji cricketer Joe Ricker. One of the pioneers of AFL development in the South Pacific is stepping back from the front line. Andrew Cadzo started working for the AFL in rural Queensland in 1987. During the past 27 years, he's also taken a real interest in the Pacific region spending eight years as the Chief Executive Officer of AFL-PNG, in the past six years as the AFL's Asia-Pacific Development Manager, before calling time earlier this month. He says it's been quite the journey. In 2000, um, I'd probably had enough of where I was, and Scott Reid, who um, was based in PNG as a senior lawyer over there, who's now a senior lawyer on the Gold Coast, but uh, first chairman of AFL-PNG, uh, put into place AFL PNG in 2000, asked the AFL to send somebody up for six months to uh, set it up, structure it and uh, get it organised. And, uh, and it so happened that I was thinking about moving on to another job and, and then the AFL offered me the gig to go up there and do that. And since then I sort of ran Queensland footy and ran PNG sort of for the next eight years and then PNG and Oceania and Pacific um, and Asia got that big. So I just 
sort of separated Queensland and continued Asia Pacific. And uh, over the years, the AFL really has made a concerted effort, hasn't it, in terms of not just PNG, but Fiji, Vanuatu, Nauru. I mean, so many countries have really, you know, made that effort and, and thrown some serious cash at the Pacific region. It is, it is, and and, and probably more than and, than money. And I'm not sure, you know, you, you never put a price on money because certainly one thing in the Pacific, if you spend it wisely, there's a lot of uh, opportunity for sports development. You know, the boys and girls, are, you know, all looking for um, to play sport and um, to keep busy and to to do things. And so there's certainly an opportunity to grow any sport, let alone AFL, um, was really paramount. But probably the biggest thing was that the, from the other end, New Zealand, Fiji, Vanuatu, PNG. We're really community-based, and so there was a lot of drive from within the countries um, by you know, mums and dads, the, um, the volunteer administrators. So certainly over the last uh, 10 years, the growth has been, um, you know, I think we started, it might have been two or 3,000 kids playing throughout uh, the Pacific in 2000, and, you know, it hit 100,000 this year. So that's a, over 10 years, it's a lot of growth, and in proper figures, not just sort of muck-around figures, so... And on an individual level, uh, obviously a lot of these players now from the region are starting to push towards the AFL, be a part of the uh, teams and, and uh, obviously get those international scholarships and, and now there's you know real pathways in place for these guys to you know make a career out of it. Well, that's right. We, we put in place a, a terrific talent pathway. You know, Certainly between finances and ge- um, geographical sort of restraints, we, it makes it very difficult for players to uh, get all the way to the top. But the talent pathway we've got in place now you know, all the way from sort of, you know, 12 years old through to an adult, gives you an opportunity to jump in and jump out of the talent pathway. And so if a young man or woman down the track is uh, keen to play AFL at the highest level, and um, the opportunity is there. So, you know, hopefully we can continue to grow that, you know, terrific talent pathway. And, um, and you know, as you said, the international scholarships, again, I, I think we'll see, you know, Kurt Headley probably really be the one that sort of jumps out and um, plays a lot of senior football in the short period, but, you know, set the standard for everybody else. When you look back over the sort of 27 years from where it started to where you are now, uh, I mean, what, what are some of your enduring memories? I started in Townsville and, um, 27 years ago, and I went back to Townsville a month ago, and there's this brand-new stadium. You know, we played out in the cow paddock, and there was no juniors, and uh, kick had just been invented, and all these things were happening, you know, all these things were sort of in the pipeline, but nothing happening. You know, I go back 27 years later, you know, they've got 10,000 kids playing the game, and, and uh, you know, this magnificent stadium that they play AFL games with footy on in Townsville, of all places, which is sort of the heartland of... Uh, of uh, rugby league, and you sort of you sit there and say we've come a long way. And, and uh, all these years later, I mean, and, and, and with the Pacific, um, so much progress has been made. Uh, where do you see it going? The base is there. Your process, you know, from talent through the participation through the, even you know, the AFL game being played yearly in uh, New Zealand, which we hope to continue because it's such a, a great um, opportunity in New Zealand. All the way through you know, sort of PNG having you know twenty twenty five boys playing in Australia and. You know, the International Cup and all those areas that have grown pretty strongly over the last 10 years, you'd hope that continues. And I think we need to really continue working on the coaching and the you know, volunteer and the education side of things, which are, you know, that will come as the, the numbers grow and the future, you know, you'd hope, is very positive. Could you have envisaged uh, when you started, Andrew, all those years ago, uh, the development that the game has taken both in Australia and throughout the Pacific and, and New Zealand regions uh, you know, up to now? No, it's only, it's only up to, you know, 25 years ago, the sort of development 
concept was sort of in infancy, and I think that's for all sports. And so certainly we were at the forefront of that in, in Australia, you know, through the Indigenous programs, through the through the Australian state programs, and then all of a sudden moving out into not only you know all around the world, but more specifically the Pacific, um, really did really grow the game, uh, developed the game over the last ten years. So I, you know, my one hope is that that game development itself really continues to uh, to be pushed and pushed and pushed because certainly at grassroots we have such you know opportunities throughout the world. I mean, the participation and talent coming out of the Pacific, you know, is going to be huge if we continue to push the game, the development side of the game. And I think that we just continue to do that in the next 10 years will be even more exciting than the last 10. And Andrew Canzo won't be lost completely to the Pacific region. He's off to PNG shortly to help out and will also be assisting with the International Cup tournament in Australia later in the year. And that's the Gordon Sport for this week. I'm Billy Wiley. Thanks very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.